Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So today I'm joined by Sheikh Saeed Nasser, where we discuss mental health in Islam, disability, and his own experience of working within the Muslim community. Um, please keep watching and listening. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Saeed. Thank you so much for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa barakatuh. and thank you for the invitation. Thanks again. So, um, first, I'd like to kick off with um, asking you to introduce yourself to our audience, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Praised be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, and peace and blessings upon his Prophet, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his companions and his family and those who follow him unto the Day of Judgment. Um, my name is Saeed Nasser. I am uh, a counsellor and a clinical supervisor. Um, also I work uh, as a volunteer imam in a local masjid. Um, my work is really kind of community orientated. So all my work, alhamdulillah, is based in the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, including kind of activities in the masjid, but also um, I work in terms of uh, that's weekends and evenings and then I do my psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. uh, but also I work as a, an interpreter um, for local authority. Lovely. I think we'll definitely delve into okay. some of your many roles later on, inshallah. inshallah, um, inshallah. But I guess um, my next question to you would be, if you could compare the UK a little bit for us. So I know that um, you moved uh, when you were a teenager to the UK and before that yeah. you were in Yemen. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit, a little bit about that and maybe comparing as well your experience mm. Um, mm. Uh, of how it's been with your <clears throat> visual impairment as well, mm. maybe compared yeah. to Yemen and here. Um, I, th I think when I was, I was born in a village in Yemen, so in a place called Yafa, which is a um, very mountainous region. Um, so up to the age of 14, I lived in a village and um, Alhamdulillah, I've <clears throat> had a very good support networks in terms of my family, people around me, so everyone knew everyone else. Um, mm. So in terms of the atmosphere, it was very kind of lovely time because, mm. you know, everything was, um, <clears throat> you know, as I said, it was kind of compatible with how I grew up and, uh, you know, I knew the village inside out so I could walk around the village and right. travel around and mm -hmm. do things with, you know, like the children did. Um, so that was that was really good memories to have. And then obviously um, coming to the UK was a big kind of step for me. Firstly, obviously leaving, you know, my mom, my brothers, my sister and my grandmother behind. I came with my dad. Mm -hmm. So it was a kind of, you know, having to start again. But, you know, my uncle and my aunt and their children made me feel really welcome and uh, started kind of developing, you know, connections and relationship uh, with, you know, different people. Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of grew up really, you know, obviously the UK gave me this platform to, you know, to be educated and mm. I'm very grateful, you know, for all the opportunities I had. So eventually, you know, I started to, the first thing I didn't like about the UK was the weather. <laughs> so it's almost like the weather was a big culture shock yes. coming from a very sunny climate to <laughs> cold December day. 
But then there is, after that, I kind of got used to the weather. So now when I travel and mm. I go to hot, uh, you know, cl- countries with a hot climate, I uh, kind of, you know, long to come back to the UK mm. <laughs> because uh, that's what I'm used to. Yes. So alhamdulillah, you know, UK become, is my home now. So even when I travel back to Yemen to visit or mm. uh, just to, you know, family, I went there last December. Yes. I always kind of, after a while, you know, I kind of start missing things here in the UK because obviously UK is my home. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about where your interest in mental health began mm-hmm. um, and how you started off working in that realm mm-hmm. itself. I think in terms of mental health, I've always been interested in, in psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, last, about 15 years ago, I started doing um, a cognitive psychology, psychology degree with the Open University. And then because of family commitments and work commitments and community commitments, commitment, I had to give that up after a while and I mm-hmm. uh, left it I thought I'll come back to it after a while but um, people kept asking me why don't you do um, counselling because there's a need in our community and also for Arabic speaking um, therapists and also to link it with what we already do here in the centre and also in the mosque mm-hmm. so about 10 years ago I started training so I did my kind of level 2 and 3 and then I did a diploma and level uh, level 4 and I, I did another diploma at level five and then I did a supervision course. So really mental health kind of has always been close to me in terms of always been interested in terms mm-hmm. of how we, I think based on my own experience as someone, you know, growing up with a visual impairment mm-hmm. is how we can remove the barriers that allow people to be themselves right. and allow the people to grow and develop and function as you know, uh, productive individuals. Mm-hmm. But often I always used to find that sometimes the biggest blocks we have mm-hmm is ourselves or how we see ourselves or how we see uh, our capacity, you know, to do things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and obviously, from an Islamic perspective, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who give, gives and the one who takes. Mm-hmm. And is when we allow ourselves to realize that all of us have a potential and a capacity to do the best we can, despite the obstacles or the barriers or the perceived kind of uh, right. issues that we might have. Right. So that has been kind of my approach really and I kind mm. of wanted to put that into practice. Yes. So obviously counselling and mental health kind of gave me that platform but also the framework to do it Amazing. in a cohesive way. So um, mashallah you have a wealth of experience within the community here in the UK. Um, were there any kind of um, major moments or uh, instances or situations that you can tell us about that really had an impact on yourself um, or on the community or both? Um, I think there's been kind of a lot of things and, and, and I think the, the biggest thing obviously was, um, you know, that changed our kind of, is when we established this organisation, which is a community-based organisation, so to provide services for the whole community. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the biggest factor but also the biggest factor I think for me has always been education and it, the people who encouraged me to uh, be educated mm-hmm. so I started with from with my dad and then my uncle uh, may Allah rest his soul he passed away for a few years ago may Allah have mercy on him mm-hmm. um, so he was a, a person who always dedicated himself to education mm-hmm. and he spent a lot of time in Hadramaut Hadramaut was you know uh, one of the main cities kind of in, in, in Yemen, but also in the Middle East for knowledge and seeking mm-hmm. knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he lived his formative years there. 
so he kind of had uh, this great dedication to education mm-hmm. and to seeing education as a you know as as as, as a a stepping stone mm-hmm. to project ourselves to you know the next level and he kind of encouraged me to do that so that was kind of the biggest two kind of things I can think about at the moment Amazing. tell me a little bit more about the center itself and how it actually started um in Birmingham here yeah this center and Sandwell so we started it in in um you know about 20 years ago and we this group of people who met we met in someone's house and we thought we have to do something you know for the young people for the Uh, the, the women in our community for mm-hmm. the elderly mm-hmm. so we came to the conclusion that we wanted to open a center that is inclusive to everyone okay. who wants to come and use it regardless of their background or religion or, or or where they come from so this center has been kind of open for the last 20 years so we provide activities for young people for women uh, for the elderly uh, we have education uh, youth clubs um, we also have um you know spiritual kind of guidance and awareness you know through the mosque and through mm-hmm. the different activities so those kind of things were you know the main objectives and it's about bringing people together so we have people from different nationalities different backgrounds right. also you know we have um activities where we open the center so like visit my mosque day yes. where people from the local community come and participate and mm-hmm. you know we kind of talk to one another So at the end of the day is about communication, but also about breaking the barriers. So the more we can interact with one another, mm. regardless of where we come from or who we are, or what is our background, then we can create a community that is, you know, at ease with one another. Absolutely. And people can talk to one another and communicate and realize that we have so many things that bind us Absolutely. and bring us together. Are, are there events or that you've already held with, um, so in collaboration with other uh communities yeah. or or religious or not yeah we normally have lots of things so we kind of have events that are multi-faith uh, mm-hmm. we also have events that are kind of you know with for the whole community so as i said over the last few years we you know we normally have different activities like for example during the summer we might have like a, a community day you know mm-hmm. where people come together we also have the as I said, the Visit My Mosque, which is a, a, a an event for the whole community. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things, they're... Breakdown barriers. Yeah, they're small mm-hmm. activities, but then they bring people together and they're right. kind of, sometimes food as well is like a big mm-hmm. thing to bring people together. So, you know, people share different foods from different parts of the world. It's mm-hmm. quite, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, in Ramadan, we have a, a community iftar where people bring their own food from home and then mm-hmm. they kind of share it with one another, mm-hmm. different members of the community. And that's really nice. I want to go back to um, your work mm-hmm. uh, with individuals in the community yeah. Yeah. and whether you can share with us any experiences that you've had there that were uh, that have remained with you. Any mm. any particular mm. cases that that you mm. would like to mention, or you could tell us about? Yeah, I think talking in general, obviously, without mentioning names or yeah, of details that would identify people. I think the main thing what what strikes me in the community is that as a Muslim community, or um, you know, people who kind of gravitate to the Muslim community from different backgrounds or different parts of the world, mm-hmm. we have a stigma around mental health, right. so we don't deal with issues that affect us and. From an Islamic perspective, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created all of us. And he's the one who made, you know, uh, us as human beings with feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. 
and is he gave us, you know, the tools to express them in, in a way and, you know, through examples of the Prophet So often we don't understand that. And as soon as someone has got difficulty, then we, you know, they feel they are being judged by mm. the community or by mm. other individuals. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, says in the Quran, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 O you who believe, seek refuge, seek help in prayers and also in patience Allah is with those who are patient and then Allah said in the second verse we will test you, you know, you will, we will be mm -hmm. tested, you know, you will be tested with some, you know, fear, mm -hmm. hunger, mm -hmm. and decrease in your wealth, decrease in yourselves. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and give glad tidings to, to those who are patients. Those who are when, when afflicted with calamity mm -hmm. or difficulty, they say to Allah, we belong and to him we shall return. Mm -hmm. So it's about giving people those tools that, there's, you shouldn't feel ashamed. Right. I think one of the misconceptions yeah. might be that um, Muslims shouldn't mm. have mental health mm. problems or, or have a mental health illness. Uh, maybe the misconception that if you are, mm. um, quote, a proper Muslim or somebody that's mm. properly practicing, mm. then you shouldn't um, s suffer mental health mm. illness. What would you say to, to that? But why wouldn't we? Because we're human beings. Allah created us as human beings and you know the Prophet وسلم, who is the best of creations and who Allah has protected and 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 you know Allah chose to to give the message to he experienced sadness in his life you know when his son Ibrahim uh, died passed away the Prophet وسلم, had tears in his eyes and they said you know the Sahaba were asking you know even your Prophet of Allah he said, yes, he said, this is a mercy that Allah has placed in our heart. Indeed, the heart becomes, you know, the heart becomes soft and the eyes become tearful. And we only say what is pleasing to our Lord, you know, to Allah we belong, to Allah we belong and to him we shall return. And indeed, O Ibrahim, you know, we are saddened by your departure. So he felt that grief. Mm. He felt that sense of grief. So, and he was the one, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who Allah has chosen, you know, to be the perfect human being. Right. So, if the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam can experience sadness, why wouldn't be as human beings as as normal Muslims, mm. you know, experience these kind of feelings? Mm. The, the the issue is not is not have any kind of stigma to feeling those feelings, what I think is the question should be asked is what do we do right. to help members of our community mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who experience these difficulties, how we help them, how we enable them to be supported, to be supported, mm -hmm. to feel comfortable to talk about their issues, mm -hmm. to uh, express their feelings and emotions in a safe space, mm -hmm. and then give them the tools to overcome those difficulties. Absolutely. We spoke a little bit before um, mm. we recorded the podcast about mm. your interest in building mm. resilient families mm. and mm. resilient communities. Mm. And I think that um, leads back to what you were saying just a moment ago. Mm. Um, what are some of the ways that um, 
we can build resilient relationships to allow you know families within themselves to be open and um, mm. compassionate towards one another. Mm. I mean, if we got time, we, we I, I mean, normally I normally mention the seven points that we help ourselves as families, but also we can help individuals to help one another. And in the family, the family is the cornerstone of a, a functional and healthy society. So it's how we make sure that our family members are supported. So as a result, we can be, you know, vehicle of transformation for the rest of society, especially around mental health and help one another. So the first thing I always think, subhanAllah, is the, the main thing is, the first thing is communication mm -hmm. and communication in a, a transparent way that allows members of the family to express themselves without fear of judgment Right. Also allowing them to feel safe to talk about what they... So, for example, if a mm -hmm. child is going through difficulties at school mm -hmm. or with friends or being bullied, for example, mm -hmm. the family should be the first, you know, port of call they come to right. where they're going to feel safe and express mm -hmm. their feelings and emotions. Not for them to feel worried about... I exactly. The members yeah. of their family getting angry or upset. Yeah, absolutely. So it should. we should make it comfortable for our children, for our young people to talk to their parents about mm. these issues in mm. a healthy, supportive environment. Mm -hmm. And the only way we do that is to communicate effectively with one another, mm -hmm. to talk to one another, to give time, mm. space, uh, safety, those kind of things that trust, that enable, you know, positive communication. And the, the other thing is about respect. Mm -hmm. So when we respect one another, we value one another. So when families respect each member of the family, regardless of what that member contributes to the family right. or what they're, you know, because without comparing mm -hmm. the children or the mm -hmm. members of the family mm -hmm. or saying, you know, you're not like this person or that person. So it's about respecting that person because that person is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the dignity. Mm. Allah says in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ كَلَمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ We had given the dignity and the honor to the children of Adam. You know, regardless of whether they're Muslim, non-Muslim, where they come from. Right. So when we give that dignity and honor to people, mm. then we give them the respect they deserve in a safe space where they can talk about their feelings. So respect is really important. And then the other thing is about empowering them. So give them the tools. Mm -hmm. So when someone is struggling, yes. how do we enable them to overcome those difficulties? Instead of telling them, oh, you're not a good Muslim, mm. or you, your Iman is weak, mm -hmm. or you're not practicing, let's help them come overcome the difficulty first. And then say, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. How can I be a good listener mm -hmm. to you? How can I enable you to overcome the difficulty? What, what support would you need from me? Right. You know, would you like me to refer you to someone? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I can come with you to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can set up a, you know, there's a support group here that you can access. Yes. I can maybe give you a lift there yes. and help yes. you. You know, those kind of practical steps. Yes. That makes someone feel that they're being empowered to Absolutely. overcome their difficulty. And I think being empathetic is a huge thing. And it also is. thanking them for their openness and honesty and yeah, bringing uh, that to your attention. Uh, absolutely. I think having that sense of empathy. So sometimes, because we have sometimes people can be judgmental. Mm. 
So sometimes I always say to people, instead of judging people, yes. just put yourself in their shoes. Right. And when you put yourself in their shoes and identify how they are feeling with their frame of reference, mm. try and suspend your judgment. Mm -hmm. So your judgment allow it to be in the background without applying it mm -hmm. to the individual. And just, just see, sometimes, you know, we said earlier about communication. Mm. If you ask the majority of people, when someone is talking to them, their inclination is to start thinking of the answer. Absolutely. Or how they're going to respond. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I always say, just listen mm -hmm. and let that person talk mm -hmm. and don't formulate any opinion mm -hmm. and then give them the tools. And that will develop a sense of empowerment, mm -hmm. but then that will develop a sense of acceptance for the person. Absolutely. So if, if the person feels that they're being heard, mm -hmm. then they will feel good about themselves. Well, that person think, you know what? I have a problem, I approach people to talk, to, to listen to me and they don't even bother, then Absolutely. that person will feel isolated. And then as a result, they're not going to be accessing help. Absolutely. I think a lot of the time we're all guilty of uh, listening just to reply mm. rather than actually listening to mm. what the other person is mm. saying. I think, I think the more we practice, because if you mm. think about how the example of the Prophet he would listen and he would, when he talked to, spoke to someone or someone was speaking to him, yes. he would turn fully towards them. Physically face Physically, them. and mm -hmm. he would give them complete attention. Mm -hmm. And there was a story, I think, uh, they said that one day, uh, Al-Hasan, who was the grandson of the Prophet uh, he came to the Prophet he, he was sitting with him and he, was, he had a, a stutter and he was talking. And then, you know, there was all the Sahaba were there and obviously they could, you know, feel that it was difficult for him, but mm. the Prophet was turned towards him mm. and he gave him complete attention and he listened to him. And then when he finished, he said, you know, this is my son. He inherited his stutter from uh, his uncle Musa salam. So he made him, he listened to him, but then he made him feel good about himself. Mm -hmm. And he connected him with Musa salam, who's a prophet. Yeah, so that kind of, which on the surface might be seen as a, a negativity mm. or someone might be stuttering and can't speak or put their words together. Yes. That was turned into a positive. Absolutely. And the Prophet ﷺ made that link between mm. Hassan and Musa um, My next question is about parenting. We were mm. kind of touched on that topic mm. anyway. Mm. Um, but I guess your advice for parents living in the UK and we mentioned communication is a massive thing mm. um, but yeah a little bit more about how parents can go about supporting their children um, and just young people um, in general in terms of mental health um, mm. and also just raising children in the west mm. uh, and I guess mm. trying to understand the cultural and religious differences mm. um, yeah I, I mean the children are blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we those who have children you know should kind of thank Allah and be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gave them you know the opportunity to have children so they are blessing and 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 should be um seen as 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 a big blessing from Allah that we have to be thankful to also we have to fulfill our obligation toward our children so first thing is about you know, looking after them in early years. So Ali ibn Abi Talib said, you know, be 
play with these children, you know, for the first seven years. Mm-hmm. So through play, fun, mm-hmm. having that kind of connection with them, listening to them, um, you know, doing things, you know, together as a family. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you know, and teach them for the next seven. So, you know, first seven years is about play, is mm-hmm. about kind of connecting, is about helping them to formulate their identity. Yes. And then the next seven years is about teaching them the right things, the right morals, the right manners, the right knowledge, uh, the right things that will help them in their life to be positive citizens, things that will help them to grow and have confidence in themselves, to have self-acceptance. And then he said, for the next seven years, which is the seven from the age of 14 to 21, mm-hmm. he said, befriend them, become their friend. And imagine if we did that and we were friends to our children, we listen to them, we talk to them, we communicate with them, we respect them, we, mm-hmm. that's what we do with our friends. Uh, we kind of enable them to be themselves. Then they wouldn't have the problems that we have with our young, sometimes with young people, right. which is that disconnect. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the young people would be thinking about something and the parents would be thinking about something completely different. Yes. And I think part of our problem sometimes mm-hmm. is about we mix Islam and culture. Okay. And that's where the problem co- problems come. Sometimes sometimes what we practice as cultural practices... Isn't actually Islam. Exactly. And then we sell them as Islam and then they cause that friction. Also, they mm. cause that disconnect. So, for example, you know, when we look at young people, sometimes, you know, we have these kind of, you know, if you look at most... Muslim families, the children have to be either doctors, lawyers, or solicitors, or mm-hmm. whatever. But if they're not, then they're seen as they have not succeeded. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they haven't done well. Right. But instead of treating people as individuals mm-hmm. and saying each person, you know, the Prophet said, you know, that, you know, you know, when whenever a person is being created, he will Allah will make whatever his you know, his attributes are, or what he's going to be given, will be compatible with, with that person's, you know, nature, but also with that person's capacity. Right. I think that goes back to education, yeah. or a lack of, for for our parents, sadly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. It is education, I think mm. sometimes, is, is the other thing, is, is, um, is how we make the use of, say, where you're living in the UK, mm-hmm. we have opportunities to learn new things, learn new skills. So imagine if you invest uh, like days and hours and, and projects that will bring you money, but then how much we invest in our children, mm. that will be uh, even continuous good deeds for us right. after we're gone from this world. Right. You know, the Prophet said when a son of Adam or daughter of Adam, when they die, mm-hmm their good deeds will cease from, except from three sources. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, positive and beneficial knowledge that person has inherited or left behind. Or offspring mm-hmm. that will make dua for the parent. Right. So imagine if we invest in our children mm-hmm. in real terms. And investment is not about money. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes where we see the problem is the lack of investment in time. Okay. 
because everyone is busy trying to yes. create the, the ideal house. How can we see past that, Sheikh? What advice would you give to people that um, mm. a lot of us get stuck into making money and, and, mm. and focusing on, I guess, dunya a lot of the time? Mm. Um, what would be your advice to kind of bring yourself back to those things that are far beyond dunya? I think it's about developing a sense of balance. I think, you know, it, the, you know, the dunya does not become the objective and the, not become the goal and the aim. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Indeed, I have created jinn and mankind except to worship. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we do these things, so worship can be everything. So even if a man or a woman goes out to work mm -hmm. and they go with the right intention, mm -hmm. so they can look after their children and feed them from halal sources, mm -hmm. they will get rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. If they're going to protect their children from, you know, doing haram things or uh, to make them righteous people, they will get rewarded for that. Mm. So it's, I think it's about a sense of balance. It's about mm. how we develop a sense of priorities. Yes. And our priorities, we know that whatever we cultivate in this dunya, it has to be for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. It has to be for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It has to be for you know, to cultivate a pathway for us, inshallah, for the hereafter. Yes. So it's how we make sure that we make the right choices mm -hmm. and the dunya does not become the aim, but becomes a vehicle mm -hmm. for the akhirah, becomes a, a pathway because we're only here for a temporary period. Right. We're not going to be living forever. But sometimes people kind of build and focus as if they are going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And then we lose a sense of what our purpose is. So the more we can focus on what we are here for mm. and focus on the most important things. So, you know, our children are the biggest treasure mm. that we can have in this world. So how are we fulfilling our obligations? Mm -hmm. Are we doing the right things by them? Are we looking after them in the right way? Are we nurturing them? Mm. Are we protecting them? Are we safeguarding them? All those things are very important. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of that advice, Sheikh. Um, I think we might move on to some questions from social media, if that's okay with you. Okay. Um, so one of the questions that we had was how you look after yourself. Um, so, yeah, just shed light on that, whether it's mental, yeah. your mental state or, mm. um, yeah. I think the biggest thing, I think, is, um, you know... I think having a spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a big help because then when I feel a bit weak, I remember, you know, the, the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, mm -hmm. when I feel a bit, um, you know, uh, alone, then I remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always with me mm -hmm. as a person. So I'm trying to kind of be conscious of that. But then how we do it practically, how I do mm -hmm. it practically is mm -hmm. obviously doing, you know, Alhamdulillah, the five daily prayers, kind of connecting with that, you know, with with with, with the prayers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. The Prophet used to say yes. to Bilal, anhu, oh Bilal, make us rest in the prayers. And that was the essence of the prayer to be mindful. So the prayers give us that sense of perspective. Yes. You know what we're here for and what are the important things for us. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things, but also, you know, with my family, so family kind of time and also... Uh, doing things with people, my friends and the people I kind of connect with. Uh, but also the biggest pleasure, I think, for me is always when I help people kind of, whether it's through counselling 
but through other things he gives me you know I always think I'm blessed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me in this position to do what I can in a small way mm -hmm. uh, and if you can alleviate you know someone's suffering or uh, alleviate the hardship or make them smile after they've been crying or that's you know that gives me a lot of fulfillment yeah alhamdulillah and I remember a story of um, Abdullah ibn Abbas one day he was sitting in the Prophet mosque in, in Medina and, and he was uh, a man came to him and the man looked he was distressed and he asked him, he said, you know, you look distressed. He said, yes, I have a debt and the debtor is asking for his money. Mm -hmm. He said, would you want me to have a word with him? He said, yes, he will listen to you because you, you know, the relative of the Prophet Sallallahu so obviously he would listen to you. So this is was, this was in Ramadan and Abdullah ibn Abbas was doing the itikaf in Ramadan. And when he was walking out of the masjid with a man, another person said to Abdullah ibn Abbas, so Dr. Abbas, what are you doing? You're breaking your itikaf. He said, listen, I had the, the one who resided in the grave and he indicated to the grave of the Prophet yes. say, and that was just near the time when the Prophet uh, passed away. Mm -hmm. He said, he said, you know, it's better for me to go and help my brother or my sister for that matter uh, to alleviate their hardship is better for me than to do i'tikaf in my masjid for one month. Right. So sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. is how we help people. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. Prophet ﷺ so said, you know, the most so, beloved to Allah are the, the, the ones who are most useful to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes how I help look after myself is, obviously I realize I do a lot of, you know, sometimes if I do things that help me, to relax, then I can be in a position to help other people. Absolutely. So it's about relaxing, about kind of using time out, about having a rest, mm -hmm. sometimes switching off from mm -hmm. things and doing something different. Mm -hmm. uh, those kind of things really uh, that I use. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, if you could also maybe tell us about your favorite hadith about the Prophet Sallallahu if you can think of something now. Um, Is there one that comes to mind? I think that I have a fa I kind of think about the favorite part of a hadith mm -hmm. and I kind of quote it a lot of you know clients sometimes and it's in the hadith of Prophet Sallallahu said you know part of the hadith he said ihras ala ma he said be strive to that which is of benefit to you so strive for that which is beneficial to you mm -hmm. so anything that benefits us in dunya and deen and knowledge and family and everything mm -hmm. and he said and ask Allah for assistance. Mm -hmm. And do not become a defeatist or mm -hmm. weak or, mm -hmm. you know, just give up. Yes. So those kind of three words, kind of three sentences resonate with me and mm -hmm. I use them a lot. And I think they're very important, you know, to bring them to people's consciousness because it's about doing what we can. Absolutely. Doing what is beneficial for us and, and making the most of what we have in our abilities. Yes. And then asking Allah for help because without Allah's help, Nothing we're not going to be successful. Nothing will, will, will be successful. Absolutely. And then when we face obstacles, mm -hmm. is not to give up. Mm -hmm. We'll ask ourselves the question, if this barrier is in front of me, mm -hmm. how do I overcome it? Can I walk around it or jump over it or... Uh, you know, release myself and walk a different path. Mm. So I don't have to be kind of, you know, I don't have to stop here. 
in right. my journey yes. would how I can overcome that je- that barrier and, and utilize the tools I have to mm-hmm. overcome it. And maybe not even seeing it as a barrier, seeing it as a challenge. Yes, or an, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you when you have things, is your mindset would, will determine how you perceive them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes someone might have... You know, I was talking to someone recently who had an illness. Okay. And he said, you know, on the surface, it looked really bad. Okay. But through this illness, I learned so much about myself. Mm. I kind of took time out. I focused on what was important for Mm. me. And then I realized I was just going in this vicious circle. Mm -hmm. And then I had this break and it made me aware of my sense of priorities and my sense of purpose. So this illness was a blessing. Yeah, for him, and, and it was because he, he used that time for a process of purification, mm-hmm, a process mm-hmm. of re-evaluating what is important, right. also a process of refocusing his efforts and his mm-hmm. uh, intentions and also his aims in this life and mm-hmm. what are those. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about striving and struggles mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear a bit more about your personal struggles with your visual impairment mm-hmm. and how you've been able to overcome that really where that drive and that passion has mm. come from um you did mention the hadith is, mm. is something that really mm. um helps you mm. um but yeah just share a little bit about your experiences yeah i think i mean the first thing i think is my faith gives me that kind of ground alhamdulillah I, I think in life you know um i think Allah says in the quran if you count the blessings of allah you will not be able to count them Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I think about my loss in terms of my visual impairment, yes. I, I don't see it as a loss, I see it as an opportunity because I think, subhanAllah, if I didn't have my sight loss, maybe I wouldn't, you know, be able to come to the UK <laughs> and maybe I wouldn't be able to have the education I had or mm-hmm. meet the people I had, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes it's how you in life always look at your gains, not right. your losses. Right. And then see what you can do with the gains that mm-hmm. you have. So mm-hmm. I kind of that's my kind of positive mm-hmm. approach to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, faith helps that because it helps you to put things in perspective. Yes. And it helps you to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives and the one who takes. Mm-hmm. And he does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things for a reason. Yes. Sometimes the reason might be known to me mm. or might be unknown. Mm-hmm. But my question my task and quest in life is not to spend time thinking about the reason why this mm-hmm. but say how can I make the best of what I have okay so that's the approach I had and then obviously my parents and the people kind of who nurtured me my uncle other people who came to my life yes uh, who had a positive impact on me yes um, my parents kind of taught me acceptance from an early age mm. so that kind of played a major part in terms of how I um, and then obviously extended family, my brothers, other people who, mm. friends, mm. Uh, teachers who kind of mm. influenced me in a positive way and kind of, uh, you know, um, my children, my wife, you know, those and those kind of people kind of have a positive impact on me. Yes. And then the final thing I think is what has helped me kind of is I think the more you understand yourself mm-hmm. and you know yourself and who what, you are and who you are mm. then it's easier to kind of accept challenges and mm-hmm. obstacles because mm-hmm. you think you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, gave me so much if I only 
make the most of mm -hmm. what I have. Mm -hmm. And if I was to thank Allah for the rest of my life, or for all my all my life for just one blessing, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it justice. You know, so yes. where there's the, you know, any blessing that you have, whether it's your hearing, your sight, yes. your ability to speak, you know, your health, your family, your children, your safety, your security, mm. all those things that we take for granted. Yes. So developing a sense of an attitude of gratitude, yes. that kind of helps as well. Mm. And practicing um, that daily. Yeah, mm. yeah. And kind of, but also develop, de developing it as a mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. I was Someone was talking to me recently. And he asked me the question, he said, you know, because you lost your sight and at an early age and mm. uh, when you wake up every day, do you ask yourself the question, I wish I could see? Mm. And I said, not really, I'll wake up every day and I think I'm blessed that I have another day to be productive, to do what I can. He said, well, if I was in your shoes, I'd be spending all my money going to doctors, going to different things. Mm. I said, you know, I already asked, you know, the the one who gives and the one who takes, and he's the one who makes the decisions. Mm. So all I have to do is to reconcile myself with what I have and make the best of what I got. And that's all the way, or the only way you can deal with these things. If you spend your time thinking what if mm -hmm. or why, mm -hmm. then those questions are not answerable by us because we don't have the knowledge right. or the wisdom to see beyond our circumstances. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's making the best of our circumstances yes. and be great, being grateful to Allah in terms of what we have. Yes. Yeah. We spoke about perceptions. Mm. Um, I do want to hear a little bit more about your mm. experience of how you were perceived mm. um, in the community as somebody mm. with a visual impairment. What do you think the, the Muslim community here um, mm. could improve upon or mm. what, what would you say? I think sometimes, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, we said earlier about judgment. Yes. I think sometimes people judge because of what they see or yes. how they perceive, mm -hmm. but they don't know what is inside that person mm -hmm. or what is the capability or the capacity of that individual. Mm -hmm. So I always say to people, instead of judging people, let them be themselves and show and, you yeah and get to know them mm. so it's about getting to know an individual mm -hmm. so for example in my early years you know people might think you know they know who i am or mm. what i can do or mm. without knowing me so when they get to know me they kind of change their their you can tell even the tone of their voice mm. changes mm -hmm. but then i always give people my attitude towards people sometimes the people might say something that might be seen as you know uh not said in the right way mm -hmm. or using clumsy language or inconsiderate yeah no. but then i always make allowances for people and mm -hmm. i always think you know it's up to me to respond in a positive way right so sometimes it's about how i respond so mm -hmm. if someone says something that is incons inconsiderate or mm. uh maybe as i said clumsy language yeah. or yeah. i always try to respond in a positive way because mm -hmm. then if i res respond positively mm -hmm. firstly i'm not making feel making that person feel bad about themselves. Secondly, I will not feel bad about myself either because I'm responding in a positive and a healthy way. Absolutely. So it's about kind of using that approach. Mm -hmm. In terms of what the community can change, I think mm -hmm. for all of us is to create a sense of acceptance for people who are different okay. or people who have you know disabilities mm -hmm. or come from different backgrounds or whatever mm -hmm. they happen to, you know, their difference happens to be. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, our message should be welcoming to 
people who, you know, in wheelchairs, for example. Mm -hmm. So when we had this building, you know, when we opened this building, we bought a wheelchair. Yes. So we leave it downstairs. So if someone comes in a wheelchair, they can transfer into that wheelchair mm -hmm. and sit with people in the masjid without being kind of made to feel different. Yes. Uh, you know, we have making the buildings accessible, making information accessible. Uh, but ultimately it's about a change of attitude mm -hmm. and I think if we change our attitude and embrace people then we can be you know uh, overcome those difficulties absolutely yeah. um I have another question about mental health um yeah. uh, a lot has been said and we're talking mm. about mental health alhamdulillah in the Muslim community mm. but what would you say is um required next really so I think a lot of us are aware of it, alhamdulillah. Mm. People are discussing it and, and, mm. and, you know, we're talking about how can we um, mm. be most helpful to each other mm. um, and, and be good listeners to each other. But what do you think is next for our community? What do you think we should focus on as, mm. as organizations, as individuals? I think there's two things for me, I think that are really important. And I've, I think the first thing is how we kind of embed ethical kind of practice in our institutions, in our kind of organizations, so people feel safe, uh -huh. they feel the trust, they can come, you know, to those institutions and feel they can be treated with respect mm -hmm. confidentially. Mm -hmm. And we show that, you know, to people. Uh, so my lot of my work with uh, around psychotherapy and counseling is about building Islamic ethics and ethical competencies and people and practitioners and individuals and institutions, I think in imams, for example, and that will raise awareness. Okay. Also, that will raise the responsibility for everyone to help in the right way mm -hmm. and to make sure that those vulnerable people are protected and safeguarded. So that's the, that's the first thing. I mean, the topic about ethics is, ethics is very kind of comprehensive and mm -hmm. very wide. We can talk about it here, you know, for a whole kind of, podcast but maybe in the future inshallah we'll talk about it inshallah. Um, the other thing is about how we build resilient people and resilient kind of families and communities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the way to do that I think very quickly is about doing five things so you know it's about people becoming resilient so how we bounce back from adversity yes. and difficulty is about responsibility how we accept responsibility for ourselves as individuals mm -hmm. and our emotions and our feelings mm -hmm. and our behavior mm -hmm. and, and, and respond in a positive way Number three is about using our resources as communities. So resources in people, you know, human beings who are, you know, the most effective resource we have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of spaces, in terms of uh, organizations, how we collaborate together and use those resources effectively. And then number four is about sometimes when we have crises or difficulties, we become very emotional. Mm -hmm. And we don't respond sometimes in the right way. Mm -hmm. so right is, 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 there's no, no problem with having emotions. Mm -hmm. was how we regulate them and how we use them and respond positively. So sometimes it's more important to use reason and use our... Nalaspatala talks about the aql and the intellect in the Quran and so many verses. Mm -hmm. So how we use that to do, identify what is right and what is wrong. And then number five and the final thing is about reflection. So the only way we can benefit and learn from our experiences, learn from um, what's gone on before, is to use reflection and to identify what works, what works, what doesn't work, 
and then what do we need to do better so those kind of three things so what is working for us yes what is not working mm -hmm. and what can we do different mm -hmm. to make things better I think your final point about reflection is so, so important because mm. another thing about a lot of our lifestyles these days is so mm. quick mm. and very yeah, kind of no yeah. time to yeah. reflect or think about <clears throat> even how we're feeling, let alone mm. kind of dealing with an issue, mm. giving it that kind of um, time mm. so that you can think uh, logically. Mm. It is. It, I think sometimes just taking, you know, when you haven't, even if we try it in our own personal kind of experiences. So sometimes we talk talked a lot about families and children. Mm -hmm. So imagine if your child spills something on the carpet mm -hmm. and the tendency is to start maybe criticizing, mm -hmm. screaming, shouting, you know, what did you do that for? Mm -hmm. I have to come and clean it. Mm -hmm. If you just take a moment and then compose yourself mm -hmm. and respond in a measured way and say, okay, whatever you've done is already done. Mm. We already spilt, you know, the tea or the coffee on the floor, the mm. milk or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Why don't me and you kind of jointly together clean it and do it in a way that is healthy and nurturing. Mm -hmm. So the child will learn through that just small example yes. that if I spill anything on the carpet in the future, mm. it's my responsibility to clean it up. Right. But I'm not going to be shamed for it no. by my family or my parents right. Right. so something small says so how we respond so sometimes giving yourself time and yes if you see with anger for example mm -hmm. most of the problems that people kind of have with anger because people respond immediately mm -hmm. they don't even think about what they're going to say they just say it mm -hmm. and then the arabs have a an example they said when a word is still in your mind and you haven't you have not said the word you still own the word soon as the word comes out, the word owns you. Mm -hmm. Because then you have to apologize for it. Right. Or you have to build bridges. Mm -hmm. Or you have to repair the damage. Mm -hmm. You know, so... To so think before you... Yeah, before absolutely. You and reflect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think we're reflecting now. Yes, a little bit of <laughs> reflecting going on. <laughs> um, next, I wanted to ask you about your... Uh, work in the future i think we spoke a little bit mm. about um possibly your interest in couples counseling um yeah. tell us a bit more about that and why you want to do it so i already do a couple of but i kind oh. of want to expand it a lot more so okay. one of the things we want to do more is to for example a lot of the problems we see in our community sometimes is about people get to they get into marriage and then they don't understand you know for example the expectations of a relationship the values of a relationship, the compatibility issues, mm -hmm. how to manage difference, mm -hmm. how to manage conflict, uh, how to resolve, you know, differences when they arise, how to de deal with communication, which we already talked about. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that I would like to do in the future, and I'm hoping to collaborate with other people, is to develop, for example, premarital counseling. Yes. So before people marry, they can have premarital counseling. They can go on a course that will teach them these basic skills. Because mm -hmm. what you see in the counseling room often is lack of skills to manage difficult issues yes. or to manage conflict. So mm -hmm. a lot of the couple counseling issues that I see mm -hmm. 
as a result of small things like mm. people arguing about you know who's going to do that or who's going to do this mm-hmm. or whose uh, responsibility is to you know go and do the shopping or you know small things yes and then they escalate into big things mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is well you know islamically we should look at compatibility between couples for example in terms of bringing them close together to understand their personalities mm-hmm. so give you four things for example so when i talk about those kind of pillars of that would help marriage to be sustainable yes you know i would be talking to them about respect we already talked about respect earlier and valuing one another mm-hmm. so it's about respecting value people valuing people mm-hmm. uh, the second thing is about developing patience with one another and patience is a wonderful thing because then when you have when you have patience then you can forgive yes and you can be kind of you know make allowances for one another and not be judgmental not be kind of critical mm-hmm. number three is about you know developing um understanding of who we are and what the other person is like you know their likes their dislikes mm-hmm. their personality you know what makes them tick you know the difference between men and women in terms of you know how we kind of things in terms of how we manage emotions and feelings yes you know and then number four is about kind of bringing all those things together mm-hmm. and 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 developing that that sense of awareness that will enable people to have trust so it's about the biggest thing is about how do we trust one another mm-hmm. so we we trust one another in a in a healthy way mm-hmm. but also we give people the benefit of the doubt as well when there's yeah. a trust mm-hmm. so we don't make mistakes like small mistakes into we don't magnify them mm-hmm. we don't make them into big issues mm-hmm. and that only can come with trust but also with forgiveness mm-hmm. and forgiveness is very very important as mm-hmm. you know in islam you know we can consistently and continuously asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us because we make mistakes you know the prophet said that you know the children of adam the son of sons and daughters of adam are sinners and mm-hmm. the best of sinners are those who repent mm-hmm. make tawbah mm-hmm. so if we ask Allah continuously to forgive us then surely we should be in a position to forgive one another and to help one another to overcome our difficulties and our mistakes Sheikh, thank you so much for sharing uh, your vision for um, expanding your work um, within within um, counselling, specifically um, marriage counselling. Mm. Um, and you mentioned potentially premarital course. Mm. Um, if our audience is interested in knowing more about that, what where can mm. they go? I think the main website I'm registered on is the uh, Muslim Counselor and Psychotherapist Network. Uh-huh. And there's myself, but also there are other Muslim counselors uh, on that website. Uh, so, you know, people can access the right support there. Okay. Um, similarly, obviously, they can contact us here at the Yemeni Center. You know, the website will maybe put it at the end. Yes. And they can contact me directly. Um Inspirited Minds, you know, mashallah, you do fantastic work and I'm involved in a small way in that. So obviously, you know, there are a lot of institutions, you know, um, and help. We have um, Ihsan, you know, that is by Professor Rajid Skinner. So also they provide a lot of services in north of England as well. So by using those kind of networks and then we network through the International Association for Islamic Counseling and Psychotherapy, which is 
IAIP. Mm-hmm. So people can link on, and go on that. And there's my details on that website as well. Perfect. Um, Inshallah, we'll put all those links telephone below. Telephone number and email address. Perfect. Um, My next question is about your work uh, with trauma cases. Mm. Um, We spoke before that um, you've come across quite a lot and that's something that you've noticed in the Muslim community. Um, Mm. So, yeah, what would be some of the things that you've come across and what um, learnings Mm. have you taken from that? I think the the main thing is, I think, because lots of people who migrated to the UK from, say, the Middle East or a lot of Asian countries came uh, and then they left families behind. Right. So through that kind of you develop, you know, even I've seen people kind of grieve mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the places they left, mm-hmm. you know, for the land they left, for the kind of families, for the... And then also a lot of people sometimes because they leave people behind and those people are experiencing difficulty you know, in their own countries or wars. So the people who are living here often experience trauma by just listening to their families. We know there's a lot of research to talk about secondary trauma. Um, Also, sometimes trauma can be intergenerational. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even archaeologists say, you know, sometimes when they do uh, explorations and they look at, you know, skeletons, for example, from previous generations, Mm -hmm. they can see pattern of, behavior or pattern of um, even physically how people are afflicted with when they have trauma, how trauma kind of is transmitted Mm -hmm. through generations. So what I see sometimes with people is that kind of, you know, they they face difficulties. So for example, if people have witnessed events that are threatening to them, they have witnessed events that are violent or events that threaten their life, Mm-hmm. or made them feel unsafe. So they kind of manifest trauma when they start thinking about things and they, some people might experience flashbacks, yes. you know, uh, dreams, nightmares. Mm-hmm. So it's how we help them, how we give them the tools to feel grounded, right. to feel stabilised, feel safe, to feel secure, uh, to enable them to uh, connect with people, enable them to... Um, engage in a positive way, creating safe spaces where people can engage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, sometimes even out of difficulty and adversity, people can develop growth as well mm-hmm. because they can use their experience after they have, you know, they got the help they need. They can develop and help other people, you know, who might be going through similar experiences. Absolutely. So, for example, like bereavement, for example, and mm-hmm. loss, mm-hmm. people you know, don't forget what they have lost. Mm-hmm. But eventually they learn to manage it mm-hmm. and they learn, learn to cope with it mm-hmm. and they develop coping strategies to cope with the loss. Mm-hmm. And then you see so many people who have experienced losses can be very helpful to other people while going through similar experiences. So sometimes it's how we enable those people to help themselves but also mm-hmm. to help others. So it's about creating the space for them in a safe environment that is positive, that is nurturing, that is uh, secure, that is confidential. Mm -hmm. All those things are very important. What would you say to uh, potentially a listener or a viewer Mm. of ours that might be suffering from a mental health illness right Mm. now, Um, Mm. whether it be depression or anxiety or Mm. or anything else, any form of Yeah, I mean, 
it is common for people. I mean, in the UK, the statistics say that one in four people will experience, you know, anxiety or depression. Mm. So as a Muslim community, we're not immune from that. You know, we're part of the population. We experience mm -hmm. the same challenges that everyone Absolutely. else experiences. Mm -hmm. We, you know, so what I would say that two things, I mean, that anxiety and depression, for example, are the, one of the biggest kind of issues that we see. Mm -hmm. And often depression is about when we start thinking of, or we always think about the past mm -hmm. and we think about the past and we feel sad because we feel that the past is gone. We can't change what's gone, but then we still feel regret. And I always say to people, you know, use the past as a place of reference, not a place of, place of residence. Mm -hmm. So learn from your experience, but don't allow your, your experience to imprison you. Yes. And to become a barrier for your growth. Mm -hmm. So it's about seeking help and overcoming those difficulties. And then when we think about the future, the future is for Allah to decide and for Allah to decree. Mm -hmm. And we can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in two weeks' time or two years' time. All we can do is focus on the here and now. So if you can enable anybody who's suffering, make them feel comfortable. And I will say to them directly that if you're suffering, please don't suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Ask for help, ask the right people. Mm -hmm. And don't feel that you are bad Muslim because you have these issues. Or don't feel that you're going to be judged by people. Or that you're the only one. Yeah, exactly. Or you're the only one who's suffering. Because there are a lot of people, so support is available. Mm -hmm. And feel reassured that when you seek support, there are people who are compassionate, Absolutely. who are kind, who are supportive, who are professional people, mm -hmm. who will protect you, who will have your best interest at heart. And knowing that after that hardship, there will yeah. come ease. Absolutely. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded the Prophet sallallahu you know, when he was going through a difficulty, he said, Inna ma'al usri yusra, indeed with hardship comes ease. Mm -hmm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said it twice. Inna ma'al usri yusra, inna ma'al usri yusra. So sometimes one hardship will not defeat, you know, two opportunities of ease mm -hmm. or two um, scenarios that will be, inshallah, will come your way and will bring that ease and will bring that you know that tranquility and that peace that inshallah you will feel when you talk to someone because often when you have all these issues around mm -hmm. going around in your head or mm -hmm. in your mind mm -hmm. all you're thinking about is your thoughts mm -hmm. when you share them with people then the counselor will do you know might be that counselor might be able to help you with maybe a change that you could make in your life that will be positive and it will help you to overcome those difficulties or maybe give you coping strategies and collaborate with you to develop coping strategies yes. to manage those emotions and feelings or maybe that person just be a listener mm -hmm. and sometimes might give you a different objective different mm -hmm. perspective mm -hmm. but they will listen with empathy they would listen in a supportive way and they will not judge you because I think most, the biggest barrier that stops people from accessing mental health services yes. is people worrying about being judged. Mm -hmm. So a professional person, you know, regardless of where they come from or their background, will not judge you. Right. They will just be there to help you and walk alongside you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sheikh, inshallah, is there another lesson that you could share with us um, from another Prophet um, or another person besides from Muhammad um, I mean, there are so many stories in the Quran about prophets, peace be upon them all, and um, in the Quran that kind of teach us how to. So I'll share one about a prophet and maybe one about a person who is mentioned in the Quran. 
So the first one is Musa السلام, when he was um, when he was going when he was being chased by Fir'aun and Fir'aun and his army, and the people Musa's people were saying to him that we are finished because Fir'aun and his army were behind them, mm-hmm. and the sea was in front of them. So they said, we have nowhere to go, we are finished. And Musa said, no, definitive no. Allah will, is with me and he will guide me. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed Musa to, you know, to hit the sea with his stick and the sea became a bridge for them. So what I wanted to take out of this lesson is really always I take out of it is that the confidence that we always should have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. That despite what me, what difficulty we might be going through, despite the darkness that we might be experiencing, despite the obstacles and the barriers, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always with us. And when Allah is with you, you will have everything. And when Allah is not with us, then we don't have nothing. So it's how we have that firm belief mm-hmm. that Allah is with us, despite you know what we're going through, Allah will help us to help ourselves, inshallah, for something better. But then the second story kind of relates to that. And it was the, because we sometimes believe in Allah has to be accompanied by action. So we can't just say we believe Mm -hmm. and then we do nothing. Mm -hmm. No, we have to do what is in Akhbasti. And the second story illustrates this, the story of Maryam, when Maryam was in the, last moment of giving birth Mm -hmm. and she was alone and she had nobody to help her to comfort her nobody to bring her food and Allah said he said you know symbolically shake the palm tree and then dates descended upon her Mm -hmm. Allah could have given her the dates on a plate you know but Allah gave the reason shake the palm tree in order for to show us that we have to do what we can so when we're going through difficulties when we're going through issues is what i can do also to help myself so i have the belief in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm-hmm. and that's beyond question and that's you know undoubted, undoubtedly you know we have that belief that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make things easy for us mm-hmm. but also what can i do to make it, these things happen for me what can I do? What is in my capacity? Mm. So tawakkul means that we rely on Allah. But we also... We also do what we can. Right. Um, so inshallah, Sheikh, I'd like to ask you next about your favorite Sahaba, if you could share that with us as well. Um, and then um, favorite resources or places that um, our mm. viewers or listeners could go to for uh, reading um, that you mm. could recommend as well. Okay. I think my, in terms of Sahaba, I, I um, <clears throat> obviously Sahaba are all our favorites. Allah be pleased with them because they are the best generation and they are the ones who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to accompany the Prophet So they are the ones who, you know, supported the Prophet and, 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 and gave Islam to us, you know, after the Prophet So when I think about Sahaba, all of them, we can learn from every and every individual that they all have a contribution and they have a story to tell and knowledge to, to learn from and, and life experiences. 
if I was going to mention one Sahaba was, you know, one Sahabi, I guess, you know, was um, the Sahabi Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu, is the one who, who, who was visually impaired and who lost his sight. Mm-hmm. So Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned him in the Quran when, in Surah Abbas when he came to talk to the Prophet and at that time, he wasn't aware that the Prophet ﷺ was with people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, you know, the story that, you know, uh, and the Prophet ﷺ would joke with him afterwards and say, you know, he's the one that Allah, you know, that kind of politely or told me off about, you know, um, because he, he mentioned in Surah Abbas, you know, Abbas wa Tawalla, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that, you know, listen to the one who came to purify himself and listen to the one who, and you're not, in charge or you're not going to be controlling the ones, you know, the leaders of Quraysh or the people, you know, the arrogant people or the people who might be seen as the influence, you know, the influence in people, you know, the, the, the people who are the most influenced in society. But sometimes it's to listen to the vulnerable ones, those who seek that purification. So the Prophet would joke with Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Ahlan biman atabani bihi rabbi, you know, the, welcome to the one who Allah, you know, uh, you know, told me, you know, to, to listen to him and, and, and then he, he would do everything. Even he would go with the Prophet on excursions and he would uh, call the Adhan and he would do all sorts of things. So that illustrated how Islam was very inclusive mm-hmm. and how Islam embraces people. And Islam doesn't look to the physical appearance of people but looks to what people have in their heart mm-hmm. and what they can bring. And that's the story kind of I reflect on uh, frequently. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that. You. So the second part of the question, Sheikh, yes. was about resources or mm. books or anything else that you could recommend for our viewers or listeners to, mm. to inshallah, find. I think for me, the biggest resource we have is the, you know, the Quran, the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Sunnah of the Prophet so through my learning for counseling and psychotherapy, I always go back to the Quran and I would say, what does the Quran say about a particular right. issue or mm-hmm. the, the life of the Prophet Sallallahu and the Sunnah? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we look at the Sunnah, sometimes we, you know, we read the seerah as a story, mm-hmm. but then what, do we, what are the lessons that we take from the seerah right. of the Prophet Sallallahu When we read the Quranic stories, you know, of all the Prophets, of uh, the d- different people and mentioned in the Quran, what we what do we learn from them? How we can make them applicable in our mm-hmm. lives? Mm-hmm. So the key is when you read the Quran, is try and understand it first in a linguistic way, mm-hmm. and then then ask yourself the question: When I'm reading this verse, what Allah is saying to me directly? Okay. So if you going through a difficulty, mm-hmm. and you read the verse. Indeed, with difficulty comes ease. Then think about this in your own life and think, you know, I'm going through a lot of difficulty now, mm-hmm. but what can I do to make things? Allah will make it easy for me if I make dua, if I do the right things, if I get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. Also, what practically can I do to make it easy for myself? Mm-hmm. And maybe changing behavior, mm-hmm. uh, changing a routine, change in spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm-hmm. you know, performing an, a prayer that you're not doing regularly, yes. that will bring you close to Allah. So when, you know, those kind of things. So my kind of advice really, I think, is the more we understand Islam mm-hmm. in a 
holistic manner, but then understand it in a way that we can apply it in our lives and make, you know, applicable solutions to our problems. That's the biggest challenge, I think, for all of us is how we can apply Islam in the right way. When we do, then we can be the best people we can be. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us, Sheikh. and thank you for the opportunity. May Allah reward you for traveling today from London, inshallah. May Allah make whatever we said in this uh, of benefits. And if there was a mistake, is from myself and from the shaitan, I'll make istighfar for that and ask Allah for forgiveness. And if there's any goodness, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alhamdulillah. And uh, thanks for listening and assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Inshallah, follow us on social media and keep listening and subscribe to our YouTube channel.